0: hello 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 again and welcome into a new episode of rolling fat episode number five week three preview um so right off the bat max krushek as you know already at this point you know five episodes in i figured you'd get that um uh, so to start off thursday night recap as expected the 49ers dog walk the giants cmc had slightly over his expected point total debo originally expected for 16 scored a solid an important 22 for Johnny Boy's team, being that Waller was almost a complete non-factor with three and a half points on his own. Kittle got 12 and a half versus his expected 10. As I stated on the midweek pod, target consolidation does well for everyone when a main piece like Ayuka's out. That is as long as the quarterback can play well. And against the Giants' shitty defense, uh, Purdy did just that. Now, I made the claim that no receiver outside of the main pieces would be worth a start in this game. In theory, I was correct. Ronnie Bell was the only non-starter to get targets and he only had two. But weirdly enough, he did steal a touchdown from one of the other pieces due to Purdy having no time in the pocket, close to the end zone, threw a prayer to the outside, and you know, Bell came down with it. So he scored for that one. Um Breida did score more than his low expected points of eight to net about nine. Big upgrade there. <laughs> but still didn't show much promise in the dog shit out. Giants offense with three carries for nine yards and three targets slash receptions for only one yard. I do not know how that is possible. So up until the third quarter, he had a measly two and a half points before rumbling into the end zone for an eight-yard touchdown to cut the 49ers lead to five, just before the Niners rambled off the next 13 unanswered to end the game. Elijah Mitchell did get some more reps as the game was out of reach late, but McCaffrey already put up a great day, so really no complaints here. Um, I need him to stay healthy for the playoff run anyway. At least the fantasy playoff run. The Giants, to my surprise, and apparently to the surprise of the entire 49ers defense, refused to get Danny Dimes out of the pocket. Multiple players after the game even stated they were prepared for a lot of RPOs, rollouts, with Barkley out of the lineup, but were pleasantly surprised to deal with a very simplistic offense. Dad bod Dable needs to change something quick. The offense has gotten stale. Um, it's only three weeks in, but still... It, doesn't look great especially when he came from the bills and everybody was you know praising him with his uh offensive creativity the giants will be playing at home in an important battle against the seahawks next week to try and get off the slide the 49ers on the other hand are slightly luckier and will be home against the ever tanking cardinals and now never mind back to what you're saying well i'm okay what do you think about licking my butthole yours with that poo jungle yeah right Has this ever happened to you? Being shut down for some butt play by your significant other because of a hairy cheerio issue? Fret no more, Nair is here to clean that situation right up. With our patented formula, your poop shoot will be clean enough to eat off of in no time. Turn. Ew, gross. Into. It's so sexy when you chemically remove all the hair from your butthole. (laughs) In no time. Warning, please don't immediately brush your teeth after using this product. Not all females will find you immediately sexy after using this product. Please consult a physician or your boys if hair around other parts of your body like mouth start falling out. Now back to our regularly scheduled podcast. So in reference to time on the pod, I have decided not to um, expand it for three games of NFL or three games of internal fantasy matchups. At this point, I'm just going to do two of each to cut down the overlap of analysis as well week to week. Um, So first NFL game we're going to talk about is the Chargers versus Vikings. The highest over under of the week at 54, and Minnesota only a one point favorite. This is a damn near pick em, with both teams looking to score about 27. And if you haven't caught on by now, every week the highest over under is going to be the featured, or one of the featured games, because that implies more fantasy value. And because the Chargers have a potent, fast paced offense and a defense more fragile than Kyle's ankles, they'll probably have a spot in here for the foreseeable future. Once again, this is a game you want pieces of. On Minnesota's side of the ball, Kirk should see a huge day avoiding the primetime slot and Chargers have given up 356 passing yards on average the first two weeks of the season. Obviously, you're starting Justin Jefferson and most likely TJ Hawkinson with the potentially the highest upside of tight end in the league right now, but do not sleep on the third and fourth options in the passing game. Jordan Addison, the explosive rookie, and KJ Osborne, the super shifty slot receiver, will both see probably five to ten targets. And if they're around the end zone, as much as expected scoring is implying, either could haul in a tutty and be serious flex contributors. The conundrum of this game lies in the Minnesota backfield. Madison has been a disappointment to say the least, on the ground and through the air. The Vikings sit dead last in rushing yards per game at 34.5, and Madison accounts for 31 of those. Fucking yikes. Cam Akers coming in could boost that number, but he isn't that much more talented than Madison and shouldn't be integrated in the offense for at least another week. So it should be a minimal difference with them splitting any kind of workload. I don't see either being startable fantasy players for the time being. Um, Now, the Chargers are right in the middle of the pack in rushing yards allowed. But a lot of times what happens against a team like that, like the Chargers, they're second to last in passing yards allowed. So the opposing team might just not run the ball because the passing game is coming along so easy. Um, So that could definitely sway the numbers there. But it's very early on in the season. It's kind of hard to tell. On the other side of the ball, Herbert has had, had a good year, but nowhere near his performances of the past. Wow, that Kellen Moore guy is so good, right? Fuck off. They should be without Eckler again, making room for Joshua Kelly to hold it down. This will hurt the offensive output overall, as Kelly had zero value in the passing game, not receiving a single target in the first two weeks of the season. Eckler, in his only game so far, had five himself. Minnesota Ds allowing the fifth most rushing yards per game, which cements Kelly as a clear starter and should be pretty much every week is not in the lineup. Minnesota has also had a fairly good pass D, which could cause the Chargers to avoid slamming their head into a brick wall with the downfield passing game, and instead decide to stick with the running game and short passing attack. Now the passing options, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, are guys you draft to play and rarely choose to sit. Even with the expected points being as high as they are, Minnesota's game plan could force the Chargers to dink and dunk down the field. This will be extremely beneficial to Keenan Allen, who does a lot of his damage in the short to intermediate routes, getting quick separation. Currently expected to be at about 13-plus points on the week. I can easily see this number being much higher with huge volume. Mike Williams, on the other hand, and even Josh Palmer in a high-scoring game like this will be dependent on getting the touches in the red zone as high-point catchers. Williams is currently expected to finish with about 11.7, but that could just as easily be 5 or 15-plus you know, points. Um... He's got the volatility like that. Depends on what you're looking for at the receiver position in your lineup as well as whether you want to start him or not. As the Mike Williams owner, I currently have an expected outcome of winning this week with some breathing room, so I really don't want to add that kind of volatility to my squad. Yeah, it's all about the matchups, fellas. Um, now, to be transparent, I would normally go to the next projected highest scoring game because, you know, like I said, points means fantasy value, but that's the Chiefs-Bears. I don't really get the over-under, um, this team, both these teams have been two of the most boring fucking teams this year to follow on the field and fantasy. So I'm going to kick it to the one that is surprisingly much more intriguing of a matchup than I normally would have thought going into the season. The 2-0 Click Commanders host the 1-1 Buffalo Bills. The Bills are heavy row favorites at six points and the over-under is 43. So looking at an outcome of about 24-18, give or take a feel. The Bills are an enigma of a team. They lost 22-16 to the Jets week one and then blew out the Raiders week two by a score of 38-10. Both teams they played flat out suck, but the Jets at least have a good defense. Where that brings up issue is the Washington also boasts a pretty tough D of their own. Now obviously last week's weirdly high scoring affair with the Broncos, let's ride, was not evidence of that. But two of Denver's touchdowns were on 50 plus yard plays, which is statistically more of an anomaly and not one you would prescribe as a game plan unless you're the Chiefs of yesteryear with Mahomes and Hill. Now, currently, Sam Howell has been startable as the 12th-ranked fantasy quarterback. He definitely doesn't do it the prettiest or the most efficient way, but he gets it done. Imagine a slightly more clutch and rational Carson Wentz without the hunting addiction or soulless skin-hair combo. Um, Kyle and Nikki, go. You'll be happy to hear your boys do have a chance after all. Hooray! That is because Sam Howe is part Korean. I know what you're thinking. My kid isn't Korean. And you know what I'm thinking when you think that. Just think about it. In the past offseason, Eric Bieniemy came over to the Chiefs and brought with him what most people would say is the most unique NFL offense to date outside of the Ronnie Brown Wildcat system for the Dolphins a few years back. Up to this point, it's been clear that he has his fingerprint on it with the shifts and motions, scheming players into opportunities. But he's yet to really open it up. And with a system that complex, it may take some time to fully implement into a team's game plan. That could take time, but if you hold McLaurin, Dotson, Robinson, and even Gibson or Logan Thomas for the whole season, you could be looking at an advantage heading into the fantasy playoff push. Brian Robinson weeks one and two was heavily used, but in week two had multiple explosive plays, giving him almost 28 fantasy points on the week. Expect Gibson as the passing back to accrue some more third down plays to lighten the load as the season goes on. McKinnon back in Kansas City, but it looks clear that Brian Robinson will be the bell cow, at least until he fumbles or misses a blocking assignment. Rivera loves that, to play that card. Silly as shit at the NFL level, but he's you know old school guy. Um, for this game, Robinson is a very safe play with a high floor and should get right around that hundred yard mark for rushing receiving combination against an average Bills run D. The ball is currently being spread through the air in Washington. Howell isn't getting too locked on on any one guy, and his top four of McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Logan Thomas, and Jahan Dotson are all having 8-12 to 12 targets on the season. With Logan Thomas sitting this week out with an injury, it could be a case of target consolidation again. But with Sam Howell and this team's track record, I truly believe we're much more likely to see a next-man-up mentality, getting the ball to John Bates and Cole Turner. Don't feel bad if you don't know who they are. That's Washington's number 2 and 3 tight end. Really only worth grabbing off waivers if your current tight end has their family from Puerto Rico in town visiting them the morning of the game so they can't attend. You guys get it. On the other side of the field, you have the Buffalo Bills. If you drafted Josh Allen, it's hard to argue against starting them on this week. Pretty much an every week starter. Like I alluded to earlier, I wouldn't prescribe Denver's offensive boom last week to be the norm, but it does show that it's possible to have play- big plays against the Washington D. Josh Allen has been making big arm throws for years, so he's definitely in the realm of possibilities that he has a couple of bombs that can win a fantasy team the week. Josh Allen has already broke the John Biederman mush curse last week by destroying the Raiders, and if he can do that, shit, he can do anything. James Cook has been a revelation this year, with 15 rushes a game and as many targets as the number one tight end on the team. And if the news that just came out is true, he could be looking for the biggest day of his career. Right around Christmas this past year, James Cook was piggling that big old hog and his lady. And what do you know? Nine months later, he has a kid this past Thursday. This is what we call the old baby bump. Now, there are times when he gets spelled in the red zone um, the first two weeks for that oldest fuck Latavius Murray, who is a career-long touchdown vulture. Once again, though, NFL players and coaches are human I know it means more for dudes to have a special week, so I expect them to let him get some of those goal line touches and have even more than his 12.7 expected fantasy points. Stephon Diggs continues to do Stephon Diggs things, like getting weird arguments off the field and dominating on the football field. Uh, currently ranked 10th at the wide receiver position, he is averaging about 15.7 points per week, and he's clearly an every week starter. He gets a chance to put up big numbers against a very weak secondary as well. Gabe Davis on the other side of the field or on the other side of the formation also has a chance to show out being that the top receivers in scoring against the commanders last week for the Broncos were Marvin Mims and Brandon Johnson um, where the true one and two Sutton and Judy came in way behind them in actual production on the game. If there's an overemphasis on digs, it will give opportunities to Davis to shine. Both tight ends for the Bills are good, averaging right around six points per game. Um, this Kincaid and Knox both playable, but it's tight end, so who gives a fuck? Unless you have someone with huge upside, you are just praying for a touchdown. Really no different here. Now to get into our league's fantasy matchups. Battle of the 2-0 teams. Dave versus Nikki Coe. Are you surprised to see Nikki Coe here? I know he is, being that he wouldn't even sack up and take any kind of wager on the fantasy season. Less balls than Lance Armstrong. Once again, Dave will be focused on the Birds game. Hoping that the green-thumbed weirdo Nick Seriani is true to his word and riding the hot hand in Swift, even though Gainwell is back on the active roster for the game. Swift, alongside Hurts, accounts for about 34 of his expected 108.5 on the week for about 31%. Kittle already held it down on Thursday, outpacing his expected by a few points and closing the gap on the outcome of the week. Other news for Dave is that Eagles play Monday night, giving him some increased anxiety as he will be awaiting the outcome for his fantasy and personal life. You know who else has a lot riding on that night? Nick Kovacs. Between Kyron Williams, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard, he has 366 of his 1187 or, once again, another 31% of his expected outcome. The one slight emotional advantage he holds, though, is Kyron Williams is the late start on Monday night, giving him an extra hour or so of relevance to potentially pull it out or let it slip through his hands like ramen through a set of chopsticks. Not sure why that came to mind there, but here we are. Uh, so, in total, almost one third of this matchup will be decided on Monday night. If I had to guess, I would say Nikki Ko doesn't even stay up to watch his team's fate. But what can you expect from a guy who doesn't even listen to this until after the games are over? Psh! Whoever wins between the jumbo shrimp and the kung pao shrimp will have a huge leg up as we roll through the season. Next game Nikki Titz versus Jimmy. Titz currently sits as the lowest ranked 2 0 team, being that he's scoring less than teams 5, 6, and 7 but has some weird kind of voodoo luck, only, aver- only having an average of 96 points or so a week per- against him. Jimmy, on their hand, is sitting at 0-2 and, and needs to get out of the bottom grouping to start making a push. Jimmy, once again, will have his focus on the Jags taking on the Texans. Not only is he still riding with his stack of Trevor Lawrence and Etienne to go along with the Jags' D, but across the field, Nico Collins will be playing for the Texans. These four positions account for 54.8 points or 49 Almost half of his expected, 112.5. Tits, on the other hand, will have this stack of his own, Herbert and Keenan Allen. 37.4, about one-third of his expected is to come from these two. Already covered these fellas earlier in the breakdown. Uh, obviously, you can see them carrying a the team. The funniest wrinkle of this matchup is the fact that they have head-to-head running backs and power and encounter in the Cowboys-Cardinals matchup. Clearly, they don't play at the same time or physically head-to-head, but the game script in this one could sway the fantasy output greatly. Dallas is the big favorite, and they still might not be absolutely sure that Power is going to be healthy for a whole season of being a bell cow running back. It's possible that he would need to put up fantasy numbers early, because we've already seen them spell him for backups if the game gets out of hand. The crazy thing is that for Connor, it could be, the, it could be more beneficial for that same situation to happen because there is no backup to Connor they're looking to work in. He's currently leading all running backs and playing about 78% of his team's offensive snaps. The second part of the equation that makes him so valuable in that kind of game script is statistically speaking, a passing target is worth about two and a half times what a rush is. So if they go down and he's getting five to 10 you know, passes out of the backfield in a game that is the equivalent of an extra 12 or 25 rushes. So just you know, straightforward math, if he's minimum three yards of rush, that's 75 rush 75 rushing yards which or up to 75 rushing yards looking at you know seven and a half points extra in a game script is extremely valuable let's be clear here they want to run him in the ground like a fresh pair of nike air monarchs and move on it is the nfl and the way they treat the position just look at how the raiders handled jacobs last year i could see a similar storyline for james Conner. Most likely spend the next six to nine months playing every down, carrying a shit team offensively while the team around him flounders. He will be publicly thankful for the opportunity to contribute. And then when they refuse a new contract next year, he will sit out and bitch until they bring him back in and say, we're not giving you any more money unless you earn it with incentives or find a trade partner. But no one's trading for that guy because at that age, running back, it never works out. Now for the return of Ask Danielle Football Questions. Hey, Danielle, welcome back. So, ask some basic football questions here. What is a safety? Uh, They protect the quarterback. No, in terms of scoring on the field. What is a safety? Uh, Two points. How do you do do a safety? Uh, You return to the end zone from a a kick. These are all incorrect, but that's okay, (laughs) let's roll. Uh, What is the referee's gesture for a safety? She just did field goal is good, but with fingers instead of hands. Now she's dancing and giving. telling me to steal second. Okay, so that's, that's, that's good for the football questions this week. Um, so now I'm going to ask, who is going to win? Minnesota minus one versus the Chargers. 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 Washington plus six versus the Buffalo Bills. Washington. Dead ass, though, versus Kirkin and Jerkin. Kirkin and Jerkin. Okay. the <laughs> And don't pour over me. First, come at me, bro. Come at me, bro. Okay. Thank you very much for your contribution. All right, guys. Another week of um, this podcast in the books. I want to thank everybody for following along. Ideas, contributions, all. Greatly appreciated. Love you all. Have fun. Sunday in America.